I'm Summer Falgiano, and you're tuned in to Badasses in Tech. Today, we're joined by Dave Savage, host of Tech Talks, where he explains how he evolved a part-time podcast into a full-blown brand, leveraging the power of transferable skills. So I, I run a podcast, um, been running a podcast uh, primarily for, the idea is about three years old, um, publishing in any re- with any real consistency now for about 18 months, started putting episodes out two years ago. Um, and it's grown from being a, a passion project that was 5% of my time on the side of a full-time job to eating my full-time job entirely uh, <laughs> and, and being asked to look at this and build this brand full-time alongside some of the bits and pieces of branding for the, for the company that, um, that I work for. So I work for the Harvey Nash Group, um, Tech Talks is a separate brand I built for them mm-hmm. um, but yeah running the podcast but also um, trying to put articles out there speaking gigs um, external moderating of panels around around technology but principally around that brand growing that brand getting the podcast out mm-hmm. and what inspired you to start this brand I went to a lot of events where you would you would sit and you would watch a panel discussion and the conversations were good, but they weren't particularly enlightening. Um, everyone on stage, generally speaking, kind of has the hat on of, we have to put our, our best possible um, kind of face to the world in case mm-hmm. of any listening, especially when you're talking about tech businesses and, and those in, in, in an emerging market. So everyone kind of applied an Instagram filter to, to the version of events that they were describing. And everyone was very keen to agree with each other and not be seen to necessarily <coughs> put put out a kind of a controversial opinion that, that necessarily mm-hmm. is part of the panel. And I just, I thought it was a bit vanilla and a little bit bland. And I, and I thought that from a peer group community standpoint, there was learning being lost by the fact that people were scared to say, you know what, running a tech business is really rewarding, but it's also really hard. And these are the common challenges that we all face. Uh, and I just thought that a podcast, and We've been very lucky that they've, they've come, certainly in the UK, I don't know what it's like in the US, but they weren't in fashion three years ago, and now they are massively in fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's pure luck on our part that we kind of went, let's start a podcast three years ago, and they've become fashionable. But we thought a podcast would be a really safe platform for someone to share their story in a way that would have some extra value for other technology leaders to listen in and also kind of promote the, the the positive aspects of technology so it kind of came from that desire to get a little bit under the surface of what goes on within a tech business and and, and actually say this this is positive but also it's really hard and if you come up against this problem be it around growth or culture then these are some of the learnings that we've got mm-hmm. and can you explain the process of getting started getting the podcast started so I'm completely self-taught on, on this front. Um, Harvey Nash for a global recruitment and, and professional services organization. So I started my career. I fell out of university. Oh, sorry, rephrase that. I, I graduated. I mean, I <laughs> as much as I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Right. So I kind of got to university and that kind of general, oh, Christ. And I did what a lot of people do in the, in, in the UK. And I moved to London because that's where most of the jobs are. And then I started applying for jobs. And I fell into recruitment. Uh, it wasn't something that I'd ever planned. I'd studied politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw this advert that I didn't really fully understand and I found myself in recruitment. And it was technology recruitment. Um, and I'd, I'd done that for a number of years. And what that did allow me to do was build up, um, I suppose, a skill set of being able to talk to people and quiz them mm-hmm. and, and ask them 
questions. You know, sitting in front of someone asking questions was never something that fazed me. And whilst I had no journalistic background, that, that was something that I'd done for kind of the best part of a decade. Mm-hmm. What I'd also done is I built up a load of client relationships with people in technology firms. So when I started to run a podcast, I just thought, well, whilst I've got no media training, what I can do is I can go to the people that I work with. And, you know, at the time we were talking about people who were, you know, the UK MD of Tesla and say, would you be on this podcast? Yeah. Obviously, if I was to approach people who I didn't know and they kind of went, well, what's your audience and, 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 and how many episodes have you published? It would have probably been a bit of a non-starter. But because I had that background in recruitment and I had relationships with clients, mm-hmm. I was able to go to those clients and say, if you could give me some time to help me get this pet project off the ground, would you? And, and they were very kind and accommodating. And that gave me an opportunity to, to kind of learn on the go and begin to build up a bit of a portfolio and a few episodes to show. Mm-hmm. And then what? Um, then I, I played with it. I experimented. A lot of people come to me and talk to me and, and say, uh, hey, hey, you know, how, how should we start a podcast? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they'll say, we've got this idea, but it's not quite right. Or we haven't got the studio equipment or we don't have an editor. Right. Or, you know, we, we think it's a good idea, but it's not, it's not polished. And it's kind of, I always say to them, look, don't worry about that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's a very successful um, Instagram account over here by a guy called Joe Wicks called The Body Coach. Body Coach. And he's probably got some, you've probably got very similar people in the US, but he's just someone who's, who's cornered a bit of, of, of the Instagram market and he creates uh, these, these recipes called Lean in 15. And, and basically they're 15 second long Instagram videos that, where he shows uh, himself cooking uh, these, these meals. Mm-hmm. And it just it kind of went viral and he did a mixture of workouts and healthy meals. And I'm pretty sure that when he started, the videos that he first put out there were rubbish. Right. You learn. You learn by putting out content. And it was the same process for the podcast. I, I just kind of thought, put content out, look at it, appraise it. Don't worry too much if it's not perfect, but okay. just evolving it over time. And actually, all of the 180 episodes that we've published, number one is still available online. And it's awful. But it doesn't really matter. But actually, I kind of encourage people to start to say, look, go back and look at the really successful content people like, like that. You know, go, go, go back and have a look at, you know, the really successful Instagrammers who've built up massive following. Go back down their timeline and look at some of their earlier posts because they're probably not as polished. And you'll probably see an evolution through time. And it was the same thing. I kind of applied that same idea to the podcast to say, it doesn't really matter if it's not very good. Produce content get a little bit of a following, get people on the show to tell me what they think, get the, get the core of listeners that we've got to say what they like, what they don't like, and build all of that in and just constantly iterate. In the same way that a tech business kind of gets a product out to market and changes it, it's the same approach with content. Get something and then keep it evolving and keep it changing. So I suppose the what next was, um, you know, organic, listen, play, yeah. Don't be afraid to, you know, don't wait until you've got the perfect polished product. You don't need it. You just need to start putting stuff out there. Yeah, I love that. And that's super insightful for someone like me who is talking with you now trying to do, you know, create our own podcast. What other lessons, what other lessons have you learned throughout the evolution of Tech Talks that you could share with me while I'm kind of getting this started? At first, I, I, I really worried about it being like, credibility was this big thing, right? Yeah. Um, you're putting out a, a, a podcast. 
you've never worked in media, you've never worked in content, um, you're a recruiter. Um, how is anyone going to take you seriously? Why is anyone going to listen to you? And credibility was this big thing, and, and I wanted the show to be as polished and as serious and as, you know, oh, we're, we're, a, we're a technology podcast with, with some real learnings here that people can, can enjoy and listen to. Mm-hmm. Over time, I've realized it's a bloody podcast. It's supposed to be entertaining. People are going to listen to this in the gym or on the train or whatever else. And they probably want to hear some of the mistakes and they want to hear that you're a person. And mm-hmm. credibility is less important than, than buying into you as people, as hosts. So I, I, I always kind of worried very much about the guests that we got on. And then I stopped kind of thinking about, are they a big name that makes it credible? And I started kind of going, well, hang on a minute. We just want people who have got something interesting to say and if no one's heard of them it doesn't really matter and if we screw up a bit and we're a bit entertaining and we make some jokes then that's fine too because it'll be human and it'll be interesting so I kind of went from this point of view of worrying overly much about credibility and making sure that the podcast was all the time aspiring to kind of be this very kind of well-presented, serious thing where we got the insight across mm-hmm. to relax a little bit more and not worrying so much about that. And actually in time, getting better insight from people because it was just a lot more human and, and, and interesting. Yeah, I love that. So what would you say was the, the moment that you realized that this was more than just a pet project? Um, that's, a, that's a hard one to kind of to say that there was an exact date, but we kind of got to the point where when you start a podcast, you go from reaching out to people and saying, please be on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Or, or you're kind of creating a video and you're interviewing people. Please be on, please be on this, please be on this, please come on our show. And, and initially a lot of people will say, and I, I generally don't say this because I create a podcast and I know at the beginning it's really challenging, but a lot of people will turn around and go, well, what's your audience? Right. Um, and that's, that's the first stage. And then you get a little bit further down the line and eventually people will start approaching you on LinkedIn going, I've seen your podcast and I'd really like to be on it. But I think the point where I realized, oh, hang on a minute, something different's happening here, is mm-hmm. when PR in particular start pitching you people and start saying, how much is it to be on your podcast? How much, how much is it going to cost me to get my client on? And it's like, well, hang on a minute, it's not going to cost anything. Um, but now we've got 50 PR companies who work with us pitching clients all the time and yeah. they're a director level at some of the biggest technology companies in the world. So, you know, you've got Microsoft, European MDs, et cetera, getting pitched in or, or yeah. uh, you know, directors at, you know, companies like Waze, a part of Google and so on. Um, and, and you've got PR companies going, please get them on your show. Yeah. And then you go, oh, hang on a minute. There's, there's something here that's got some, something tangible that people are, you know, they, they see it as a viable, as, as a credible platform. And I think yeah. when people start appreciating it as that, then you begin to realize there's something more about it. That's awesome. And very, very encouraging, especially at the stage that we're at with the podcast that we're doing now. You mentioned some of the companies, so Waze, Microsoft. What are some of the mem- most memorable guests that you've had on the show? And what are some of your favorite stories that they've, that they've shared? Um, look, we've, we've, we've had over 200 people on this show. Uh, we get asked this a lot. We, funnily enough, we've actually just launched an award this, this year we decided that we'd um, launch a tech entrepreneur, uh, sorry, a tech personality of the year rather. Um, and we decided to do that because 
there's a lot of technology awards out there that are effectively kind of who's the best well who's, who's the yeah. best person, who's the best connected person who's got the biggest following you know computing or put out awards and i've won one of them last year which is lovely but it's kind of <laughs> everyone in the community kind of knows each other and kind of votes for each other and it's like it's all the same names um so we started an award and we thought well we'll, we'll have criteria where it's are you fixing a problem that society really yeah facing and do we think that you've got a social purpose that also demonstrates responsible leadership in tech and we can work through that and realize that there were some really inspiring stories um so for example um there's a lady in who uh, there's a lady sorry who's been on the show recently called Gillian Kowalchuk who's Canadian came across the UK mm. and unfortunately suffered a case of sexual harassment mm. whilst walking around London so she's built this app called Safe in the City that is a bit like a navigation tool for pedestrians. And if they encounter crime or sexual harassment or they feel uncomfortable in an area, just like you would on ways when you're driving and you see a traffic accident, you log oh, wow. that maybe you've seen sexual harassment, maybe, maybe you've seen some crime, maybe you've been intimidated in an area. And that I feeds that. into the police. So not only does it log it for the users to say, look, if you're approaching London and you want to get from A to B, this is your fastest route, but actually point A, B and C on that route might be something that you don't really want to walk down. So actually route C is a little bit longer, but it's a safer route for users. That data goes back to the police. Police work with local businesses. And if there's particular streets where they're seeing a spike in user activity saying, well, there's some problems here, then they're going into those areas and working at it and trying to work out why that's a problem. So they're, they're that. the community that's trying to help make, make people street smart. Yeah give really valuable um, uh, information to people who are new to a big city, and let's face it, all big cities are bound to have little spikes where, where, where they're dangerous. So that, that was inspiring because um, she obviously had, a, she had a, a, an awful experience, but it's turned right. into positive that a lot of people can get benefit from. So we've got all those kind of stories. Um, I think from a, from, a, from a company point of view, there's a company called What Three Words that always sticks in our brain. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether you, yeah, you, you've obviously your reaction, you've heard of them. Uh, we were lucky to have their chief um, commercial officer, Claire, on the show about a year ago um, before they started signing up commercial deal left, right, and center. But that's such a super simple idea and so clever. Um, whenever anyone says, you know, what's innovation? Well, dividing the world into 50 odd um, trillion squares and going, yeah. now you have a universal address book that not only allows you to go, let's have a random date on my favorite beach at this spot that you'll never find without address, or let's get a pizza delivered to uh, you know, a flat somewhere random, but equally allows the UN Disaster Recovery Agent, uh, app to deliver aid packages to war zones or areas after a natural disaster. That's really clever innovation for a very simple idea. Yeah, I love that. So the, those two examples that you shared, <clears throat> they were very data specific or you know, data driven. Are there any other trends while you're talking with these people? Are there any trends that are kind of sticking with you around, you know, what, what us as consumers can be expecting to come? I, I think what you're beginning to see is, um, if, you, if you look at the trends, okay, uh, I think over 50% believe that technology is positive for them as an individual, but only 12% of people believe that technology is actually good for society as a whole. So there's um, a lot of 
apps and startups in the tech sector that are beginning to think about community-based solutions on a, on a smaller scale. Olio were a company that we had on the show recently where you can basically register on the app to say, um, I've got some fruit that is still fine, but we're probably not going to use, and it's going to go out of sell by date. And does anyone in our, you know, does anyone on the on the road want to take this off our hands? We're not going to use it, otherwise it's food waste. And they're tackling food waste kind of on a global scale, but in local communities. And I think where you've got kind of concerns over the actions of, you know, the likes of Amazon and Facebook and Google and 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 you know, is big tech good for society? You've got lots of smaller tech companies providing hyper-localized solutions that really have a, have a, have a purpose and, a, and a, a profit. Profit with purpose is, a, is an interesting way of phrasing it and, and, and that kind of that mission-driven quality to them. So I think as consumers, there's probably going to be more choice out there uh, and more variety to use tech in a positive way yeah. that where, where these companies aren't just thinking about let's design our app for one individual user but let's design our app for a community or for society and consider their needs when we're building our products rather than the individual i love that and what do you do to prepare for your interviews when you're talking with your guests um probably less and less as time goes on <laughs> uh, uh no look i i've always said to people i'm not a journalist we're not looking to get a story right uh, the main thing about a podcast i think is that we get um the guests that we've got on the show engaged. Mm-hmm. So if I was to go into um, someone that we're interviewing for the show and I had four or five predefined questions that I thought were really interesting, but the person I was interviewing thought were really boring, yeah. the was engaged. And therefore, I'm probably not going to get something that is as interesting to the listener because they're not going to be as animated. And it's audio, right? I mean, our right. podcast podcasts are a very personal experience it's in ear and if it's not engaging and it's not animated then you're not going to hold your audience so i've i've kind of said to people um tell me what you want to talk about yeah tell me the things that you're really keen to explore and then we'll build a narrative around that so in terms of preparation now i, I tend to have a quick 10 15 minute call with them and say tell me what you want to talk about send me one or two notes in an email and then okay. i'll book an for the meeting now generally if i can i'll do the meeting in person we also obviously do some via Zoom or via, or via WhatsApp if they're, you know, they're just not in the UK and that's mm. not feasible. But um, we will generally try to get down and sit with them in person. We will chat for half an hour first before we hit record mm. about those themes and those questions that, they sent, that, that, that we've kind of come up with from their suggestions and then we'll hit record. Mm-hmm. So the preparation is in making sure that we're talking about stuff that they're going to be engaged with and then making sure as well that they're really comfortable and they know all the direction of the conversation before we hit record. Mm. I, I don't understand why some people go, right, we're going to do an interview, but we do it completely cold. And some people do give someone, you know, they'll, 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 they'll go into it with no preparation whatsoever, no right. questions in advance. They'll just get them in a room and hit record because they want to get the reaction to questions. But personally, I don't know any other direction. Try and make them feel as comfortable as they can try and make sure that they um, they therefore feel more inclined to talk freely and openly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always say that we'll do is we always edit and then send it back to them. Mm-hmm. Before we, because especially if you're dealing with a tech startup, they might then go and tell you something that's not yet market information. Right. So by telling them that we'll edit it and we'll send it back to them and nothing's going to get published until they've signed off, again, they're more likely to open up. Yeah, no, that's helpful. And so you... Well, 
I was just going to say, I suppose it's more about the environment than me asking stuff. There you go. Yeah, no, that's, that's helpful. And so you mentioned, you know, making sure that your guests are comfortable is, is pretty crucial to, to the show. Uh, you also mentioned earlier that this became a very, you know, pet project. Now it's one of the most popular podcasts in, in the UK. About well, that. <laughs> well, that's how, that's what I'm reading it as. That's what I'm seeing. My point regardless is what, what would you say that you have as an individual that helps you kind of keep up with, with what you're doing? Like, are there habits that you have that maybe others can learn uh, to be, to, you know, to be, to be running a successful podcast? Um, I think on two fronts, I, I'm interested in, in, in tech. I'm a bit of a geek. Um, I studied politics at university because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life when I was 18. I think the idea that we ask kids what to do when they're 18 is faintly quite amusing. Yeah. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing with, with life. I still, I still generally don't know what I'm doing, but I didn't really know what I realized until my late twenties. Um, I, I have a real interest in, in tech and what it's doing to society. I think the politics bit actually bleeds back in when it comes to that whole, is it good for society as a whole? Uh, is it delivering on that promise? So I've got a, I've got an interest behind what's going on in the tech scene and how it's affecting people. Um, and so I tend to read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to events, you know, I, I, I put myself out there to go to other people's events, see what people are talking about, see what people are interested in. Um, mm-hmm. All very well kind of having a, a belief that what you're talking about is interesting, but increasingly we're all kind of living in this echo chamber where everyone just kind of shouts their own views with little regard for what anybody else is thinking. Um, it's really important to go out and listen to what other people are saying and, and take that on board. Um, I think we don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, trying to stay relevant and stay interesting and, and grow an audience, grow a community. And I also, I, I don't see us or myself um, ever as an influencer or a thought leader. I hate the word influencer. I hate the word thought leader. What I do think is that we help facilitate those conversations. What we can do that um, maybe technology entrepreneurs and leaders themselves aren't so good at is we can give them a platform and we can, t- we can, we can shout for them. You know, the types of people that, that come up with these ideas sometimes are quite introverted. Sometimes they don't like shouting out uh, from the rooftops about their achievements. Um, whereas ex-recruiters who study politics probably like the sound of their own voice too much. And so, <laughs> We can provide that platform, and I think I think that kind of helps. Kind of not taking myself too seriously, yeah. not that we're the ones leading the conversation, but being bullshit enough to say, "No, we'll we'll work with you, and we'll we'll give you guys a voice." Mm-hmm. No, that's I think that's that's critical for sure. Um, so where where are you seeing? the um, market of podcasting go? You mentioned earlier that three years ago, podcasts weren't really a thing in the UK. Yeah. Where, where are you seeing the podcast business going in the next five years? Um, that's a really hard one to, to kind of predict. Or media, e- even. Yeah, I, look, I, I think, well, if, if, we, if we kind of think about podcasts, I've, I've got this bugbear at the minute that we're beginning to see a lot of adverts now from from people from if you listen to, to the radio in the uk mm-hmm. uh, there'll be there'll be media companies offering courses how to grow a successful podcast how to do you know 
in 12 weeks or something ridiculous like right. that. Um, which I feel is taking advantage of this sudden fame thing that everyone everyone seems to yeah. want to 100,000 users and followers and everything on, that, on every single social platform and it's the next kind of phrase. Podcasts are hot, let's tell people that they can get a huge audience overnight and whatever else. I also think that there's there's a lot of podcasts that aren't really podcasts. They're just repackaged radio programs. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the beauties of podcasts is that they are a little bit more rough and ready. Um, they are very, very personal. I think they'll continue to grow massively. Um, they also serve niche interests really, really well. So yes, the BBC can repackage a lot of their content as podcasts and, and stick stuff online. But if it's a repackaged radio program, it's polished, it's got a format, it's, it's, it's radio. Whereas I think podcasts... Um, do allow for people who are amateur and enthusiastic and kind of have a bit of a cult following. So yeah, I, hope, I hope it doesn't lose, yeah, I hope it doesn't lose that kind of earthy, slightly, slightly quirky quality. Um, I, I don't know whether or not it's something that someone should go into um, as a kind of a commercial concern. Right. Um, I'm very lucky that I work for an organization that pays me a full-time salary that I've worked for for 12 years mm -hmm. uh, and I use this as a um, as a method of, 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 of you know I suppose if you strip it back I'm, I'm a brand and content manager for a much larger mm -hmm. company I don't have to worry about making this commercial um, so I hope that people don't fall into the trappings of thinking oh you know this is something that you can make a lot of money off I'm, I'm not entirely sure about that um, con content as a whole obviously the way that Facebook are bringing together um, WhatsApp and Instagram and Messenger mm -hmm. together, um, the way that ads are now being sold into. You know, I think there's a stat that, that we spend 60% of our time now in Instagram stories rather than people in the, you know, rather than the feeds. And obviously you're seeing cleverer, more interesting advertising yeah. in those stories now from large organizations. So media as a whole, companies are waking up to various different marketing tactics that are slightly different. Um, I think they have to because of the backlash for for influencer marketing. I mean, recently yeah. when you no know, fire festival and, and documentary on Netflix that was released a couple of weeks ago, right. has obviously sparked that what the hell is influence. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a whole lot of pressures on media more generally and how people are using content in clever ways now, but it's very difficult to predict exactly where it's go where it's going to go. I just hope that podcasts remain quirky and accessible with a low barrier of entry that people can just do it because they're passionate about it. Yeah. Hey, I'm with you there. I, I hope the same. And so what's, what's on the horizon for you, David? What's on the horizon for Tech Talks? Um, quite a few events this year. Uh, <laughs> I'm speaking, uh, so I'm, I'm the host and speaker of uh, one of the tracks, one of the main tracks at um, AI and Open Data Congress at Olympia in late April. So that'll be a lot of fun. That's um, hosting a lot of very interesting people on stage at their gold ticket stage. So more speaking gigs. Um, nice. We're developing Tech Talks into more of a media, rounded media site. So we've taken on a, a journalist called Sean Bradley recently to write articles for us, three articles a month, one long form article. So we've got some good written content on the site. We've just stuck Tech Talks onto Alexa. It's got a dedicated skill. Um, so people can enable a skill on Alexa and just say, Alexa, play Tech Talks. I'm hoping she's not going to do it on now. <laughs> Hopefully not, I said that quietly enough. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we're kind of playing around with how we can get how we can get the podcast to people easier. Um, but the podcast is growing as well. You know, um, this month we we're going to have ten thousand listeners. Uh, last month we had 
6,000 the month before that was 5,000 it's growing rapidly month on month at the minute in terms of the number of people that are discovering the show so it's kind of fun it's finding what yeah. we can do and, and push the push the push it as, as far as we can and break it a little bit we've got a series of live shows we're doing live podcasts playing around with that trying not to just put another boring panel debate out there but right I, I think I think the main thing with us is we're not we're not we're not afraid to break it mm-hmm. in the hope that we make it better yeah no, I, I think for the most part, you're making it better for sure. And especially, I mean, the fact that your your numbers are growing month over month, that should be, you know, just one mark that lets you know that you, you guys are doing something right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are times when we kind of record a show and go, is that good? There, right. More and more often, I kind of go, yeah, I think that was all right. But um, the fact that more people listen to it week on week kind of goes, okay, we're not doing the wrong thing. Just keep going with it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode. To hear more, check out our website, badassesintech.com, and join our community. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So follow us and tune in next week. That about sums it up. I'm Summer Falgiano, and this is Badasses in Tech.